to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. I'm really stoked to have our guest this week on the pod because it's very easy to find out about Kristen Hamilton on the internet, on LinkedIn, in all the places and spaces that would declare her to be a maven, a serial entrepreneur, a co-founder of incredible organizations. She's you know, the hustler with heart who's raised millions of dollars. And sometimes when we see those labels, that's all we know them for. And I was grateful to be introduced to Kristen, I guess you could call it like six degrees of separation. And in my first call with Kristen, realized there is so much more to Kristen than what meets LinkedIn. It's a reminder that I think there is so much more to all of us than meets LinkedIn. Yet I'm grateful that she's willing to go there and she was willing to share what her version of the pandemic looked like, the life choices that she has made to chase joy and how she continues to inject joy into all things that are this next chapter while she's still working. It's very impressive. It's nothing short of incredible. And I'm biased because I especially love hearing these stories of women. And I hope you enjoy this one too. All right. Just like that. Let's do it. Kristen, welcome to the pod. I'm really grateful to make your calendar and I know that time is precious. So thank you for your time. It's a pleasure. So fun to be here. What a fun, what a fun experience to hang with you. Well, I hope it's a fun conversation because I want to ask you the questions that maybe you haven't been asked before. And I'm not asking these in a way of like dirt. I'm asking because I think the world has changed so vastly. And once upon a time, we used to sit in large auditoriums and raise our hands and ask key people key questions. And now I think there's something to be said for the intimacy of you know, what your thoughts are on things happening in the world. Yet, before we dive in there, can you introduce yourself, your way, with your words of who are you in 2023? I would love to. So, hi, everyone. I'm Kristen Hamilton. Um, I am a, let's say, almost 30-year veteran of the technology industry on a professional level. I've started three companies, worked in large corporate organizations globally as well, including Microsoft and World Learning. I have raised eight rounds of funding, uh, over $320 million worth. Um, So lots of startup and entrepreneurship experience. Um, And I've also been involved in venture. I'm currently an advisor to startup founders, helping them become great CEOs with an organization called Enjoy the Work. That's the professional side. On the personal level, um, I identify as an adventurer an athlete. Um, I love uh, animals and I am very excited about skiing and mountain biking and my daughters who are teenagers and my awesome golden retriever who's three. Oh, bless. Okay. I mean, I just want to say, how do you make it all work? How does it all fit in? How does $320 million in funding and multiple startups on your own and large conglomerates and children, family, dogs, adventures. Um, How have you made that fit? And I'm not asking for balance. I'm asking for like the evolution of what has fit into your pie. How have you made those choices? Yeah, it's a great question. And certainly not all the things happen at the same time. Although I'm a person who does a lot of things at the same time. And that can be really challenging, like being a single mom to two young kids and starting a company. 
Uh, for example, I made that choice. And I, a couple of years in, I wondered why on earth I had made that choice. Um, so, I mean, I'm a big, big believer in the recognition that we are making our own choices and that we own, own those choices, first of all. And you have to have agency and, and we're lucky to have agency. Um, I, um, I mean, I think I've just, in a, for a lot of my life, been a little too busy. <laughs> and I don't even like the word busy, but I've had a lot of things going at the same time. Um, and actually, interestingly, I'm at a stage where I'm trying to tone that down a bit and not try to do so many things, but to focus on the things that I that bring me joy and to really going deep and, and doing those things well. But I mean, I guess the answer to your question is to, who makes choices to fill their life with lots of things like a lot of people do. Um, I don't regret any of those choices that I made. Um, but you only, everyone has the same number of hours in a day. And so we're making trade-offs. And I gave up a lot um, at various times in my life. I think I gave up a lot of um, time for my mind to be at rest because my mind was so active doing so many things for such a long time. Um, and other times I you know, gave up time with my kids and so forth. But it's, everyone's making that trade-off on a constant basis. As long as you're doing things that you feel bring you joy, then your tank is getting filled up in that way, your energy is coming back to you, then I think people should just lean into the things that, like I've always leaned into the things that that bring me energy and bring me joy. And that's around people as well as act, you know, activities. Yeah, it's so powerful. Well, it's powerful because what I want to jump on that you said is um, your brain at rest. And, you know, when have you been able to take, let's say, quiet time among so many choices um, that you have had agency, that you have chosen? And I think we've heard in the last couple of years, there have been varying forms of burnout. There have been varying forms of resi resignation. And I'm going to say resignation of life. And that might mean changing relationships, changing jobs, changing careers. And I'm wondering what it took for you to say, how can I be less busy. I don't know if you would identify with slowing down. Um, and what has been your own practice for your mental state? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's a great question and it's been something I have actively focused on the last few years. Um, just for perspective, like I, I sold a company in 2019 and then I immediately started helping other companies with things. And then I immediately jumped into another executive role uh, at, a, at a company that was growing very quickly. And it was all um, really rapid fire. And it sort of maybe had been for a lot of my life. Um, and I, I think a combination of things, partially being sitting in front of a Zoom screen during COVID was like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And really had me in a place where I was very unhappy, very feeling unhealthy. Um, sitting down a lot is not a thing that I enjoy doing. So I, when I left the, that that last job that was I was an executive, um, I really took it upon myself to try and turn almost everything off. So I'm on some boards of companies. I, I kept those and that was the only thing I did. And I said, I'm not going to dive into something until I really have a foundation around what it is that's going to bring me joy, what I'm going to do next. And therefore I'm going to try and do less. Um, but it's what I noticed is that when you have anxiety in your brain, which I think was what this is from like doing things all the time, you take away the things, but the anxiety doesn't go away. You actually, it attaches to whatever the next thing is that you decide your brain thinks, oh, that's a good thing for me to get anxious about. And things you weren't even anxious about before start causing anxiety. And by the way, I'm in a group of founders of 
tech companies who have sold their companies and they all have this experience. So it's, it's just incredible how that happens. So um, I was actually spending time up in Whistler in the mountains. Um, I started going in very cold water every day for 450 days in a row. That was a technique that I used. Um, and it forced me to kind of get out of my head. And um, I did things that were more uh, physical than mental, and that helped me. But I had I'd also had to um, engage in some practices, um, meditation a little bit, but mostly community. I found a community of people who, um, a couple communities actually, who um, were engaged in the same plight around trying to sort of give themselves some peace. And that was tremendously helpful. So it was a pretty full commit actually for a year. Yeah. Well, it sounds full. And I, I mean, I was really struck by this when we spoke the first time, because I don't think we talk about this often enough. And, you know, I have, I've shared that I have a dear friend, Seth Godin, who talks a lot about slowing down and his commute to his office is a mile long. And the best part of his day is when he can walk that mile to the office and not drive his hybrid down the street. And he's like, the day is already off to a, you know, a wild start. If I'm driving to the office. And I think to your point, it's Zoom screens, it's the ability of being on. There is this sense of I'm I'm personally responsible. I've said yes to these things. I've chosen these things. I've chosen this life. I want all of these things in my life. And it comes at what cost? And and when when do we want to bring more joy back into our life? And and I wish this was a conversation more leaders were having, because the next thing I want to riff on is just the inspiration it takes to start something. And the fact that you have been inspired enough to have the conviction and the heart to say, I'm going to raise money because this is needed in the world. And as an entrepreneur myself, who's also obsessed with gardening, I'm like, inspiration grows if your hands are dirty, if you're like in it and growing things and it doesn't just like fall from the sky. So can you, can you riff with me and in any dimension of, you know, the journey of finding joy, the joy, the, the joy of innovation? Um, what, what has that been like for you? Mm-hmm. When I thought back about the times in my career that I was most joyful, it was at the beginning of starting my companies. Mm -hmm. um, and it is because you get to be in that place of creativity, much more so. As a CEO, it's less creative over time. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't have to be, but there's just a lot of whack-a-mole things that you need to take care of. Uh, but at the beginning, it's all ideation and creativity. Um, and I say people call me serial entrepreneur. I've started three companies, but I, I don't think of it that way. I just, when something really hooks me and I think, gosh, this is a real like interesting problem or thing that needs to be solved or opportunity. I can't really, um, I can't really do anything but dive in. And, and also I see the opportunity. I don't just see the problem. When I see the problem, I was like, I think there's probably some sort of opportunity. And that's the, the part that I get juicy and excited about. It's that space between, okay, this is the problem that needs to be solved. There's a lot, a lot of people having pain. And there's also like some, 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 some tailwinds, right? You know, like you're going to surf a tidal wave here as opposed to like swimming upstream. For instance, the first company was an e-commerce business and like it was in the 90s and e-commerce was exploding. And I thought, OK, this is a time to do this and this is a segment to do it for. Um, 
And then um, with Koru, it was like around underemployment of college graduates. And so I love diving into that space. And um, yeah, I can talk a little bit more about how I do it if you want, but that's, that's really the juice for me. Yes. I want you to dive in, dive into how do you take the inspiration and go for it? And I mean, I think you can also make, have this akin to like, what was it like cold plunging for the first time, the first 30 days? And were there any similarities or metaphors (laughs) of your cold plunging experience and your entrepreneur? That's an interesting, uh, by the way, I didn't know anything about like Wim Hof or the fact that it was a thing people did. (laughs) I just started doing it and uh, lo and behold, a year and a half went by. Um, Let me talk a little bit about the the inspiration piece and the, 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 the creation stuff. It's very human experience for me because it involves a couple of elements. One is the team. Cause I never do it alone. The team can be one other person. Uh, like it, with Koru, it was my co-founder to start with. And then we, you know, quickly had other people that came around uh, us and we, we included them. And the second thing other than team and people is, is emotion you're actually spending a lot of time in emotions Um, because the thing to do uh, when you're thinking about an idea is understand that beautiful space. And you think about a three circle Venn diagram of like one is the unmet needs of a population, right? So what are the the pain of something? It's an unmet need. The, 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 The value that you can bring, like some sort of special value that you can bring or you can manifest or you can figure out. And then where others are not bringing value, like where others don't have that skill set or that ability to to solve. And there's that little part of that diagram. It's like, it's, yes, they're unmet needs. Yes, I can solve them. And other people are not or can't. And so to figure that out, it's connecting with the ideal customer who you don't even know exactly who that is, but who you think the ideal customer would be or the person with the pain, most importantly, and really diving into their pain. And this is a concept that's been talked about before, but a lot of people don't do it as listen. When you ask people about their pain, asking them open-ended questions about the jobs that they're trying to do, right? The jobs to be done framework is really brilliant here, but listening for emotion, right? Like when are they taking you in directions where they tell you about an emotional experience and they can be like an enterprise, you know, uh, analyst or, uh, you know, like a a person doing procurement, you know, it doesn't matter who's a human being feeling an emotion. And I love that part because that's the discovery process. And that's the part where you're actually designing and defining and rearranging everything you thought we were going to do in a minute when you hear something new and you think, well, maybe it's not that way. Maybe it's actually a different way and remaining very open and you haven't made, you have no sunk costs yet because you haven't like spent a ton of money building a product and you don't have a team in Europe for working on it or whatever the case may be. So you have this freedom. It's absolutely amazing. And it's a step that people skip because they say, I have a thing. I'm going to sell a thing. Let me go tell, tell people about my thing and, you know, ask them whether they would buy it. And that is the absolute, like everyone, most people realize now that that's not the way it doesn't work. Um, but you get this freedom only at the very beginning. And so having that, that, that phase where you're just neurons are firing and you're com- contemplating, but you're also very much in this deep human experiences is, is my favorite part of the beginning. Yeah. 
Well, I love that you actually started the conversation with joy and you're like, here are the things that bring me joy. And we can go back and put the red thread around you expressing your own emotions around um, your life right now. And I think that's so powerful. I'm hitting the pause button on this sweet episode to tell you about something that you might like. Our newsletter, we call it The Corkboard. It has all things juicy, whether you are looking to keep in touch between episodes or find out more about our coaching, development, or hot new jobs that we're working on. The link is in our show notes. Your inbox is sacred and your time is too. So now let's get back to the episode. I can't help but ask what were the feelings that came with cold plunging? And I, and I share this because I am a cold plunging wimp. Um, I actually have a cold plunge in my backyard uh, along with the sauna and I need to sauna before I cold plunge. And that's like classic kindergarten, you know, like the essences don't warm up before you go in. I get it. Um, Wim does not approve. And uh, I think there's something to these like moments of uncomfortableness, these moments of fight or flight. Like, of course, there's so much neurologically and you did it for a year and a half every darn day. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just coming to me as you talk, as you ask the question, when I, I got into the habit of every time I would step into the water, which was like sometimes through a hole in the ice in Whistler and it was minus 20 above, you know, in the air uh, and you're getting in this cold and you come out and immediately your hair turns frozen. So, and sometimes it was, you know, glacier fed, freezing cold, but summer. And sometimes it was ocean, but it was always very cold water. Uh, It's always natural um, places. Um, I got in the habit of when I stepped in the cold water, I said, thank you. And it just like reset my brain somehow. Uh, and at first I said it just to say it. And then I said it to, and I meant it um, because it would bring me something every time I went into the water. Um, I would, you know, I talked about my brain being busy. When you get in really cold water, it's I'm sure a lot of people listening have done at this point, you are slowly dying <laughs> if you stay long enough and your body starts telling you this is bad. Uh, but before, before that, it's, it shuts off certain things. It shuts your brain off. It has to. I mean, I, I, it's, it does for me because now you're a little bit in like, if you're in there long enough, a few minutes and it's very, very cold, your, your body's saying we need to um, just get into survival mode. And so it gets down to basics. And mm-hmm. all the things that I was thinking about prior to getting in the water, or all, all the things that felt scary or were... Uh, my gremlins, as as we call them in my group, you know, those things that sit on my shoulder and say, you're not good enough to do this, or you're not worthy of whatever, um, are gone. And uh, everything just kind of comes very much into clear sight. Uh, and also, it's, it's just, it's more that it isn't, there's just, there's less to worry about. And it gets, it gets very, um, uh, everything's reduced um, everything, there's less clutter. Um, those are just the words that are coming to my mind. And when I, and then I stay as long as I can typically. And then when I get out, uh, I just feel reborn truly. (laughs) It's a pretty amazing metaphor, but it really is. Um, and so that sense of focus, um, is something I think is akin to the experience that I was describing of being in the emotion of focusing on, problem at that early stage of running, you know, of building an idea, but it's still so very different, um, you know, in some ways. I think there's there's something there, though, because to shut out everything that doesn't matter and just to say, like, this is the thing I'm going to give my attention to right now yeah. and to bring that level of presence 
is something that's hard to do in this manic, chaotic, challenging, scary world sometimes. Um, And so with, with some things like an idea, it invites me and then the water is like, I forced myself into it, but then it also eventually it did invite me and and it gave me that gift. Yeah. Yeah. That is so powerful because what I heard you say is are, were some threads that we could perhaps relate back to meditation and the piece that's missing when I meditate in my warm clothes in my warm living room um, is that my body is not fighting to survive mm. it, in those mm-hmm. moments. Like I can still experience all of this other stimuli and in the cold water, you're so right. It's like everything else gets shut off and we're down to the very basics. And um, and we are feeling something, whether or not we even know like the words to put to the feeling. So I, I love that. And I don't want to assume that everyone listening does cold plunge because I've been talking about cold plunging for a long time. And it still doesn't mean that I've done it for a year and a half every single darn day. So I think this is a practice that like put in your Kristen Hamilton tip of tricks um though you are from the school of oprah because oprah says before anything challenging she says thank you and Mm i um i'm just so inspired to ask you the question if you were to look back on life right now without going into anything that is too personal or too deep whatever is true for you if i were just to say Kristen, what are three things that you would say thank you for right now in this moment in time what would those be Hmm. Um, I would really say thank you for, uh, the coach that I had who, Mm. who was, um, when I was very young, she helped me do it was horseback riding, but I worked at the stable in order to be able to ride. She taught me a lot about hard work. She taught me a lot about, um, kindness and also, she didn't make me talk about everything that was going on because I had some challenges when I was young. So she was just a foundational person and she, you know, I trusted her and she trusted me and um, she's, she had my back. Um, I am grateful for my time um, in the mountains and, and I'd say mother nature because that's sort of my foundation in life. And it comes from not just a place of an activity, but a place of, you know, some, something that I need to feel safe and human. Um, and then I'm also grateful for the opportunities I've had to make an impact. Mm. And and that's a big foundational piece for me that's come out of the clarity the last year mm. is impact very important to me. And I've it's a place of privilege that you get to, you know, work on things that have an impact actually. Absolutely. What a dent. You are a Venn diagram. Um, (laughs) You are filling everyone's Venn diagram. I promised that we wouldn't go over time. And when the clock strikes time, I have to ask one last question and we wrap the pot in a bow. And Kristen, my question for you is what is currently making your heart beat faster? Mm, I joined a company called Enjoy the Work. After getting clear on my three things, again, connection, impact, and freedom of movement, and I, this company just came to me. It's a group of 12 people that help founders um, be great and enjoy what they do. And every time I think about the fact that I joined a company that's called Enjoy the Work, it makes me giggle because it was like exactly what I wanted. And yeah. uh, and it does, it just, it just, I love the people I work with. I love the impact I get to have. 
and I love the freedom I bring that I get. So I, I think that manifested from my year of contemplation and cold water. Amazing. The things that come out of cold water, perhaps after all these years, here you are to enjoy the work still. Yeah. Thanks I so love much. It. Thank you for every minute and have a beautiful day. You too. And you know what makes my heart beat faster? The fact that I get to share with you that this podcast is brought to you in partnership with More Good Media. Our friends over at More Good Media are spreading the good word, one conversation, one podcast at a time. So thanks so much for your support. We are so glad to be here in partnership. Oh, hey, before you go, you know, listening to podcasts on this thing called the internet, it's a wild ride. And what would be so helpful on our wild journey is if you would be so kind to jump on and give us a review. Four, maybe even five stars. It really helps. Thanks for joining us.